0: hello and welcome to the pirates fan forum here on dk pittsburgh sports podcast network i'm your host gary morgan with me as always is the modern day pittsburgh kid who just had himself a complete pittsburgh layover day today in and around our fair city jim stam how you doing brother
1: i'm good man three pirate games in four days all the braves pirates games but one And, uh, yeah, it was fun. And, um, yeah, so I'm really ready to talk baseball now.
0: Good stuff, man. And joining us today for the first time uh, is a new guest, Casey Hercula. He grew up in new Stanton and fell in love with baseball back in 2008. So he's a relatively newcomer. I would say he's not one of these ones that got jaded by Sid Bream and, and (laughs) moved on with his life sadly, and probably destroyed their first marriage over it. Like Jim and (laughs) I, you know, (laughs) Um, but he grew up uh, watching the pirates and then now he lives in Chicago. So uh, he's on here to talk bucks with us
2: and Casey. Welcome. To the Pirates Fan Forum, brother. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to join y'all. And um, like I was telling you earlier before we joined and started, this is my Thursday afternoon listening to you guys. So it's great to be here, talk some buckos. That's
0: awesome, Casey. And I think it's incredible how many fans that we have connected with, Jim, that live in Chicago, because they have two teams to choose from there, you know. <laughs> yeah, and right. with relative success in on some counts i can understand jumping ship from the socks right now but you know all in all it's pretty cool that they still pick the buckos and and that that has to mean something right yeah I, I mean i question their life decisions but you know i mean from a sports <laughs> standpoint i like it uh, so today we're going to talk about um the things we've learned about this team in 2023 i think the things that we think are at least rock solid discoveries Uh, We're going to talk about the questions that we think remain open. We're going to talk about Jack and Bednar and talk a decent amount of the time about how fun this series was with the Braves. Um, Even while our club split the series, that's really where we should start. Gentlemen, this four game set was exactly what you want to see. Tons of talent on both sides of the diamond tension, pitching, offense, base running, defense, defense important vets and kids rowing in the same direction. I mean this sincerely. If they had gone, 0 and 4, I'm saying the same things. Each of these games was a dog fight and I loved every second of it. Casey, what do you think, man? What were your takeaways from this series?
2: Uh, absolutely. Uh, just to show heart and, and fight that they haven't had since April, to be honest with you. Some some of these games after when we turned it into May, just have been kind of hard to watch, but bringing these these young guys up, I think has given some juice to maybe even Brian Reynolds and now he looks healthy and uh, also even delay, you know, I think he's been a solid uh, backup option and he had a big game today. He helped us win the game today. So I think we could have easily swept this series, um, but I think this series, even splitting, was more impressive than sweeping LA last year um, when we were in LA because I think they showed heart and fight that honestly I probably haven't seen since the last playoff push in the in the 20 teens. So awesome, man! And Jim, I think he's
0: right, except. You know, he said we could have easily swept them, and I don't think they could have easily done anything in this series. Everything was hard fought on both sides. This was just flat out a great baseball series, Jim. And you were there for a lot of it, so talk about it, man. Yeah, it was. Can you hear me? By the way, yeah. Okay, good. Because I'm I'm
1: still dealing with some kinks over here, but uh, in the meantime, yeah. Listen, um. Just being there at, at that series, for the most part, um, I think like the overwhelming sentiment I got from talking to people, uh, even some Braves fans, they were like, "This has been the best series of the year," even from their perspective. Which I thought was, you know, I mean, I don't know if uh, I don't know how familiar they are with Pirates. You know, I think they know that they're they're still you know down but um yeah i mean like and i i do agree with casey i think like hey the dodgers thing was nice last year it gave us a a little bit of you know a little shot in the arm when we needed it but now now it's a little different we really need to see that it's maybe you know because of some of, of the younger guys and i don't think necessarily last year that was really the case we we you know uh, it just was one of those weird series they legitimately played with them every game um, yeah. to make it to make an argument that you know they probably should have won three of those games I would say you know they're one one out away from winning three of them so um yeah like I, I don't know how you can't come away from a series like that in mid-august against the braves who that's you know, scary looking at that lineup <laughs> And uh, somehow they found a way and it wasn't really, you know, um, it wasn't really just one thing or the other. They got some really timely hitting. They got some timely pitching when they had to have it. They came back in games. Yeah. Um, Just kind of all the things you really do want to see when you're trying to judge maybe where this thing is at.
0: It was strange, too, because neither team's starters really pitched. They were, yeah. I mean, they were pretty bad and, and both teams just punched back against the other one's starters nibbled away against the other team's bullpens here and there. Bullpens still kind of stood firm there at times for the Braves and the pirates, both got them back in, into the back end. And, you know, there was some drama like throughout these games, they were, they were back and forth dogfights. This was Two, it had the feel of two heavyweights standing there, just punching each other in the chops, not even trying to block anymore, you know, and, right. and when you look at them on paper and, and obviously where these teams are going, I'm not sitting here telling you the pirates are anywhere near the Braves, but, but watching this and just seeing the kids punching up at a team like that and not allowing themselves to get punched down. Crazy! I I loved every second of this series, really and truly. Even well, when Bednar failed in in uh, the the other game to to secure the save, yeah, you almost had a feeling like, hey, <laughs> that's going to happen.
1: Well, and, and I thought like the last game was really kind of like the true test because I felt like maybe they, you know, you could get a little. Even look, they shouldn't do this, but you could see them being content with just playing with them for three games mm-hmm. and maybe getting um, maybe getting a little bit of uh, a taste of the Braves on that last, in that last game and them running away with it and right. um, didn't happen. They, they weren't they weren't satisfied with just playing well the first three games. They saw it through. So all in all,
0: you know, it's a split but you got to realize what you're up against too. I also can't say how many games I've watched this year where they fell behind like four nothing or whatever and you knew the game was over. So like scoring four runs just seemed like something that just couldn't happen and and right now I'm not again saying they're anything like the Braves. But I am looking at the lineup a little differently. I'm now looking at a lineup where I'm not seeing a whole lot of easy breaks either. You know, you can consider Jack in in his one for 29 before today, and you can go, okay, there's a break. You still gotta pitch him right. If you make a mistake to him, he's still gonna hurt you. You know, you're still trying to flip a scorpion over with the toothpick. It's not safe. to to pitch to anybody in that lineup right now including jason delay who seems to just annoy people enough to get a few at bats here and there especially in big moments man he's got that clutch gene doesn't he? he really does so let's take a quick break right now come back let's see if we can apply some of what we saw in this series to what we can take away from the entire season so far Right, we're back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network and I'm slipping my glasses back on so that I can read a comment from Jeremy Morrison here because I think it's going to start us out on this conversation in a good way. Uh, this series showed that there is something there. Still need more starting pitchers and first base in the offseason, but very nice to see the kids and vets. Hayes, Reynolds, Kutch, swinging the bats and finding success. So I agree with everything Jeremy had to say here and Casey, I'll start with you um, and Jim, I'm going to start muting you when you're not talking. So I don't hear the feedback. Okay. So if you start to interject, put your finger up so I know and I'll put you back on. All right. But Casey, just from this series and then kind of back a little bit to when you got the kids coming up, are you seeing enough of the pieces start to come together that you you can see what's forming or do you still feel like it's so far away? Y- you're not ready to start stamping anybody in place yet.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think that I think our position players are starting to show some, some heart. I really think, I think Davis is a right fielder. I think we kind of need to like stick him there and let him learn it. He had 13 games in the minor league in his whole career. In the outfield, so of course yeah. he's gonna be making these mistakes. But man's got a cannon. He made a great play today against uh who was it? That hit like 110 miles per hour in the eighth. Jumps up, catches it. Um So I mean, he ha- he has room Olsen. to grow. It was Olsen awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. He he lined that ball, and you know, I think I I honestly say, stop trying to say he's a catcher let him just be able to focus on one thing. And that bats can be dangerous. I think it will help his offense too once he finally has a position that he can be settled down in. And I think, you know, you got Paggy showing some life. Maybe that's your second base option. Maybe that's finally settled down potentially. I think the rest of this year shows that. Um, and he's looked great behind the plate. I think he has leadership. his guts. I really think there's a lot of good pieces in lineup. I do think what really depends on how this progresses is how these starting pitchers that we have in the minor leagues, ones that were in the, in, in the bigs like row and, and, um, or if they can come back, I really think that's going to be kind of, Hey, are we going to compete in 2024, 2025, or is this going to be a failed, you know, rebuild? Cause we're not going to have the money or well, we might have the money, but we're not going to spend the money for the big arms to start for us. So yeah, I think that the development of our pitches is going to be really big. All right, so Jim, I
0: agree with what Casey has to say there. I think that's all stuff we've touched on in the past, right? We we think we're starting to see some of those pieces, and, and we also see that they need to spend some money in certain areas, starting pitching mainly. From, from your perspective, have they hammered any pieces in place here that you just aren't going to let go of? You're sure they're going to be in this – come North party next year. You're just looking at it and you can just tell. Well, I think you've got, you've got some of
1: those guys in place. We might not know exactly what's going on with Henry Davis and where he might end up. I, I, I happen to think if he just gets a little more time, he can be, he'll be fine in right field. Um, You know, you have, Reynolds, uh, you have Andy, you have Henry, you have um, whether people like it or not. You have Hayes. Um, by the way, I think you see what a difference it, it makes in this lineup when Key Hayes can offer you something at the plate. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be doesn't have to be necessarily nine RBIs and a series um, type stuff. But he's got to give you something, and when he does, it changes things. Um, so that's a point that I was wanted to make in the first uh, segment, but I think it still fits.
0: It's a point that Pirate Queen makes here too. Um, the offense is becoming varied in a really good and effective way, and I think that kind of circles back to what you were just saying, Jim, which, by the way, all the feedback seems to be working out now. So. um she, What she just said is absolutely true, but I think it really comes down to what we saw even last season and early this season. If Reynolds and Hayes hit, this offense has a whole lot of potential. If either of them don't, everything's better. I'm wondering if there's just too much reliance on them, really. You know, um, probably fair. It's probably fair to say there is. They have to conquer that, and I think the kids are helping to conquer that in a way because Peggy will step up, and, and Rodrigo
1: will step up, and do
0: that. Davis every once in a while contributes. on his week off, there. So have the kids kind of step in and kind of take that mantle a little bit. But nothing locomotes this offense like Hayes and Reynolds when they're both going. I just don't know any way around that. And I think it's important to point out that uh, remember a couple weeks ago, I, I I brought up on the show that some of the guys were like looking to see if they could get some outside voices, you know, yeah. dink <laughs> that Hayes' dad's around, huh? Hmm. dink that Reynolds' dad was just around, huh?
2: <laughs> I, I don't know if you know yeah. this. It looked like Hayes went back to the lay kick too. Since he's came back off the IL, he dropped the toe tap, and now he has back the leg kick. I was I saw that one this series at least.
0: Yeah, and and I'd also say the Braves were pitching Hayes differently too. Most people know not to pitch him inside, and they were inside to him pretty much the whole series relentlessly, almost as though they didn't read scouting reports because that is not where you pitch to Brian Hayes. Well, it's a good sign.
1: Yeah, it's a good sign
0: that. Jim drops off for a couple seconds. (laughs) I I have no, listen, this
1: is the (laughs) weirdest, weirdest podcast. I've, from a technological standpoint, I've ever been involved in. I have no idea what's happening. Just bear with me, please, please.
0: Regardless, pick up with your point. No, um, I had a point. I don't remember what it was. Um, I think you were talking basically about um, them pitching Hayes inside, and it and it seems good to you that he was able to turn on those, and it, it, that he's healthy. I mean, yeah. because you, you you cannot if you
1: have a bad back; those are pitches that, quite honestly, um, you're going to get exposed. Right. Um. So that's the biggest sign to me is that maybe he's just completely healthy right now. Right. And you know the other thing is. Uh, that is such a big part of this equation is, and this is why another reason I'm pushing uh, for this is let's get Cruz back in this lineup for a month at the end of the season. Let him, I want to see what that looks like. I want to see how they do. I want to see how that all comes together just to get a just to get a, uh, a peek at that. And, and honestly get, get him those reps. And um. So that's another big factor here is you're talking about a huge, huge component that we, you know, you almost forget about it, but we need to see what that part looks like, too,
0: because it, it changes the lineup. In a lot of ways, because I think the middle infield is still not settled. I mean, even right now, you know, you have, I mean, I would, I would tell a lot of people like online, just calm down about who plays when right now. I, th- I think it's fair to say right now they have 13 offensive players they want to see and I don't have a problem with them playing any of them whenever they want like if they want to have Alika Williams and Triolo go for two three days in a row I'm okay with that I love Peggy I want him in there too I think he's been effective but you have to like understand that guys are going to sit. There's too many guys. And when Cruz comes back, that's just going to get worse. (laughs) I mean, like I don't, I don't think he's going to come back and play 30 straight games, but no, you know, I I think there's going to be a rotation. I I just think the endless yelling about guys not playing or play this guy every day or calm down. Like for real, like you, what Andy's doing right now, he's never carried this kind of catching load in his entire career. That is a lot. That's a lot to go from squatting behind a plate 60 times a year to squatting behind a plate a hundred plus times a year because you did it in the minors and you're doing it up here. There's just ample time for this to be slow rolled. You know, let it happen naturally. I I just think when you onboard all these kids, it's not healthy to to just immediately infuse them into everything all the time. You can sit people sometimes. It's all right. You're talking squatting. I might call it kneeling.
1: That's not, that's neither here nor there. So we'll just gloss over that topic. But um, I don't know, Casey, like when you see, when you see a lineup and you see, that neither um, Henry or Endy is in the lineup. Um, does that sit well with you? Uh, is that too much uh, taking it to the extreme of what Gary's talking about?
2: <laughs> I get it, especially because Henry's actually struggled the past couple games, like maybe in a couple weeks. So I get like giving him a break, but I think Endy. He can play first too. So there's other options. Or even giving him a day of DHing. Uh, cause he could do that as well. So and I know DH is limited with Kutch, but for your point of not seeing like certain there's a lot of people who want to get reps. I love Triolo's defense, but I'm really not that high on Triolo. I think he has a lot of lucky hits, no power, which is crazy for how big he is. So I would rather see Peggy getting those at bats over someone like a Triolo at second base, because I think Peggy has, you know, he obviously has the higher potential upside if he can, you know, come to it. But yeah, I don't know. I, I do think they all do need a bats so though too, so we can iron it out for next year.
0: I think Alika uh, Williams is probably a stretch to be like a, a future piece on this team, okay? Mm-hmm. But his defense is great. I love having that on the bench. And if he can contribute a little bit offensively, great but how do you know until you play them so that's why you have to do it that's why you have to do it and you have to sit guys like baguero every once in a while doesn't mean you you want to i personally would give up the ghost on using mccutcheon as often as they do and start putting some of these kids into the dh role especially since we know mccutcheon's been nursing injuries all year if he's truly coming back next year, which it sounds like everybody and their mother knows as a certainty of fact, then let's rest him and make sure that he comes back next year, hundred percent healthy and not used up, man. Like whatever he's nursing, let him nurse it. Have some guys play. Yeah. Give him a breather. The The,
1: you know, down the stretch a little bit more than he has been. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he hasn't, He hasn't. I mean, he hasn't fallen off the uh, a cliff, uh, but he hasn't been as effective as he was at the beginning of the year. And I think that that's just natural. So, um, yeah, like there, there is some juggling going to go on. I do like the fact that when we at least when we talk about like guys like Triolo and Williams, is at least at least we know defensively they're stellar. That if you are going to put them in a game, that you know that they. There, there'll be no drop-off there, if not slight a slight increase, depending on where. Um, and as Gary mentioned, with either one of them, Casey, I happen to agree with you. I think Triolo is always going to have a real uphill battle offensively. I just – I do. But there are places for guys like that on, on the teams, and, um, you know, hopefully – we're not asking guys like that anymore to be anything but
0: that. I think it's the same a point. for him and Alika Williams to a degree. You know, they're both guys that probably have an offensive upside that only reaches so high, right? But they both are quality gloves. I mean, Alika Williams gets put in the game, the last game today of this Braves series, and the first ball, of course, gets hit to him because that's a law in baseball. <laughs> And he makes a crazy play, and Revis made a crazy play on the other end of it to make it count. But that's that is valuable. Like you want something like that on your team. And I'd also say there's a lot of talk already about like Nick Gonzalez being like a, a, a forty man casualty or trade bait right now. Or you know there are a lot of options. Keep in mind. Tukapita Marcano is going to start the year next year on the 60 day if he survives the 40 man he might not G1 Bay still exists (laughs) like I'm just saying there's a lot of guys that they still have to work through that we haven't really gotten to see yet Nick Gonzalez is not going to get washed out that quickly you might think that ultimately this is exactly what you thought he'd be and you were right and you're waving your I was right flags all over social media. I get that. I'm convinced that's like two people too, just with like 9,000 accounts because they say the same crap <laughs> no matter which site you're on. But regardless, Nick Gonzalez is what Nick Gonzalez is. He's the first round pick. He came up for 100 at-bats. They sent him back down to work on some stuff. He'll either figure it out or he won't. But over the offseason, you're going to give your number one pick that shot to like do work over the offseason and improve on what you wanted him to improve on. Defensively, I think he's as solid as anybody. So if you got a guy that can potentially pop you 15, 20 home runs and maybe hit 260 and play good defense, and he winds up being a bench bat, that might be better than Alika Williams or or Triolo. You have to play all the angles here, folks. You can't just wash guys out just because you've seen enough. This stuff takes years to figure out. You don't decide in hundred at bats, anything.
2: Oh, for sure. Nick Gonzalez has a way higher upside, I think, than both those two, but because just because of his bat and his defense was, looked, looked great up here. But, you know, he's got to figure out that strikeout, that strikeout rate. and. Chasing it and all that too. So
0: yeah, he's gotta learn how to hit breaking pitches. That's really it. I mean, he can hit fastballs a ton, but nobody will throw him one, Jim. I mean, Nick Gonzalez is an interesting character because I feel like that he has to probably make this team or at least be considered for it next year. But I don't know where he plays.
1: Yeah, well, I mean you know, I haven't seen anything on him. Uh, since he's been back down. Um, I don't know if you guys have, uh, just nothing. I, uh, it just come, it just came to mind that I really hadn't seen
0: anything. Nothing of note. No. Yeah.
2: I think he had one like stellar deep play in short, but that's nothing on the offensive side,
0: which usually means nothing good. Like yeah. nobody's talked about Termar Johnson since his promotion to Greensboro. Cause he was like two for 24. Yeah. You know what I mean? So nobody will right. talk about it until he hits a home run and Cody puts up a video and everyone freaks out because he's the second coming. You know, <laughs> that, that that's really all this is. Like Paul Skeens went three innings today in his um, professional debut. I think he threw 11 pitches or something, got a strikeout, hit 102 on the gun once. No hits. Yay. That's awesome. Now he'll probably go up to Bradenton and pitch a game or two before he gets shut down. I have already seen people say that if they're not, if they're serious at all, he's, he's the opening day starter. You're insane. That's <laughs> not going to happen. That's not going to happen. If that's really your qualifier for whether you're going to follow this thing out or not, just hang up. Just I hang was up just, the
1: phone. I was just talking to a Braves fan <laughs> the other day at the game. You know what he was complaining about? The what? Braves manipulating guys.
0: <laughs> really?
1: Yeah. Didn't Michael Harris come
0: straight from Double A and get an extension like that year? He
1: did. Believe it or not, he he was talking about it, and he doesn't like it. And I'm thinking, well, buddy, do I have a team for you? And and but but the but the reality is is you know everyone thinks it's just good. Sometimes you got to get out of the pirates bubble. Sometimes it's, you have,
0: to. It, you have you gotta to stop assuming when there's one or two idiots on social media, that it means that there's a thousand people out there just like them. There is
2: not. I have friends here in <laughs> Chicago that complain about the Cubs spending. And I'm like the Cubs spending from <laughs> the Pittsburgh. And then let's talk about spending.
0: It's <laughs> funny. You say that Jim, because I was thinking about the Braves as we were watching this series a little bit. And, I actually had a thought, like, I know that they, they've traded some of their farm system to get other players and whatnot, but not as much as you'd think. And when you look at their system, I sit there and I go, man, how does anybody crack through? Everybody here is, is locked up for like forever. They have an opening for a shortstop. I would, I would say long-term if somebody comes up and they probably have an opener for a left fielder, like that's what they got. Like yeah. if you're not playing left fielder, shortstop for the brave system or starting pitcher pitcher in general, I don't know how you break this team. I don't know how you ever expect to like actually make this team. They've got the whole thing locked up for like a decade.
1: It's really incredible when you look at it. Um, it just, it just is, um, and. You know, going back to just them, the Pirates, even in just the 4 games series, just being able to play with them at this point, um, because you have to start, you have to start trying to say, like, can, can we compete with teams like that at some point? Can we do that? Well, you got to start somewhere, and so you know, that's that. I think that that's the biggest takeaway for me from the series.
0: Yeah, I would agree, man. It's a great series. I think that was a good look back at what we think of the locks. And I think what we found really is I think we got a couple outfielders. I think we got enough to cover the middle infield that I wouldn't even consider going outside of the organization for anything. What do you think? I think we're good there. Third base, I'm fine. First base needs help. Country's probably fine.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'll tell you one one area where I I think you saw it in in the Braves series is the difference is got to get better defensively in the outfield. We have to get better there, you know, Um, whether that's, uh, you know, like arms are a big difference there, Um, how guys track balls, the jumps they're getting, you know, you're going to get into some – series where you don't want that to be the difference and when you yeah. see a team like the Braves and what they're capable of and how they'll how teams won't run on them you know what I mean like and not necessarily you 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 don't have that fear against the Pirates yes Henry Davis has a cannon but there's some adventures going on there before the yeah. cannon is loaded
0: up for his throws he's not 100% yes. sure where they're going like yeah, yeah. he's got some work so, to do. Right. That That stood out to me. I thought, got it. We got to get better there. Yeah. I think Palacios might be our best defender in the outfield right now. And yeah. uh, what I mean by that, and he even took a weird, circuitous route to a ball today that could have ended in disaster if, if he didn't make the catch. But I think he's probably our most consistent performer. And he's probably the only arm you can really put in any of the three slots and kind of feel pretty decent about it. Um, Henry's got work to do on just tracking balls and knowing what happens off of a bat. And I don't know that either comes or it doesn't at some point you either get that or you don't. That's like a lot of people have always talked about shoving O'Neill Cruz out there. Like, like he was some kind of misfit toy that you had to find a home for. You always want to shove him in the outfield. and I always tell people like, it's not second nature to shag balls to some people. It just isn't like, it doesn't come to everyone. And then even then you have some guys that they have to be facing it straight on. If they're not center fielder, forget it. They can't ever read the ball off the bat unless they're right in center field, right in front of it. So it's, it's not just a plug and play thing to shove somebody out in the outfield. I don't know if Davis is cut for it or not. The arm certainly plays. I just don't know that he's going to learn how to track balls properly. And I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent done with him as a catcher either. Andy has shown
1: Andy has looked it's, to me like that's the only problem is, is like Andy has looked so athletic behind the plate and really good instincts, I think. And, um, unfortunately we haven't been able to kind of make that comparison because we're not seeing Henry yeah but you know um, it's hard when you see Andy because he if, if Henry Davis can't catch now is how, how much does he have to go to, to then be better than Andy looks like he's going to be you know so that's that that is a a big question that's coming down the road, I think.
0: So, here's an interesting question from Jeremy here. Do you guys think that a guy like Davis would benefit from fall ball or winter league spend time working in right field? He could. Um, I actually think that he's probably already stretched to his limit by the end of this season. This will be the most baseball he's ever played by the time he finishes this year if he doesn't get hurt again. So I would imagine he's probably safe from going to fall or winter ball, but I I could see him going to extended spring training, you know, like really early reporting with pitchers and catchers and, and doing both. We'll see what they do with him in the off season. I'm holding on to catcher because I'm confident that Henry is holding on to catcher and I know it's important to him and I think it's important enough to him that he's gonna force their hand into giving him a crack at it. The what the two innings I've seen in in you know the bigs, I don't know how you could watch those two innings of, of, of him catching and think that he should be starting a game. I just don't. He looks awful. He doesn't look like he's set up. Andy has technique issues too that I think cropped up in this series quite a bit. As athletic as he is, and he makes up for it with his arm but he doesn't set up right or block everything either. In fact, the third game of this series was a nightmare as far as that stuff goes. So, yeah. to me, there's a lot of work to be done on, on the catching, and I still think they should probably bring in another veteran, or we're going to see Jason DeLay again next year.
1: Yeah, and, and, and when you mentioned about you know um, him still seeing himself as a catcher, Look, Henry Davis is gonna do what they ask him to do. He's just that kind of ball player, right? Um, but but if you don't think it's deflating for a guy that's been a catcher on some yeah, you know, deflating on some level to get stuck in right field after you are so involved, so involved, and you and, and you love the position, um that that doesn't go away, and you know maybe it's a good problem to have in the sense they've got two of them, and hopefully Henry, um, you know, uh, still continues to develop there. But I can I can see uh, only being satisfied with that role. There's nothing against right field. I'm just saying, like to go from catching and the involvement that you have and the, uh, interactions you have. So all of a sudden just being stuck in right field. Yeah. That'd be a tough for a competitive guy. That's a tough pill to swallow. I would assume, Hey, I mean, you know, catch, look at catch whenever he got taken out of center field. Yeah. Didn't like that one bit because there
0: just
1: certain positions that like y- you, you love the play and you can feel like it's demotion if you're not playing them.
0: Yeah. I don't get the impression that he's going to sulk about it. I just feel like no. he, he's going to want a shot at it and, right. and that's going to have to come like in, in major league baseball games. And that's probably going to be in the spring. And I think we'll probably see him just migrate out to right field long term axial plaz and Adrian Gutierrez are better defensive catchers than either of these two bluntly um so i could see this being short term anyway you know what i mean yeah so finding other spots for for important bats i don't think is a problem i'm ever gonna really hate having um it's always gonna be a good thing let's take another break now when we come back let's talk a little bit about some individual player stuff All right, welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Let's talk a little bit about Jack Sawinski because Jack Sawinski is still still a super hot button issue. People that think he's good can't really effectively explain why they think he's good to people that doubt all of these modern numbers that that testify he is. Um it's it's home run walk strikeout nothing with him and it's a struggle. I mean, I I'm not blind to the problems until they find somebody that is truly better or more of a threat consistently. I just don't think that it's big enough to be pushing him out of the way. There's nobody really coming along saying I'm going to be more effective in major league baseball right now than Jack Salinsky is have to play him, Jim. I just, you have to deal with, with the one for 29s and the two for 44s and, and stuff in a hope and prayer effort to get what he does give you when he does start hitting. It's not ideal. Again, I've said this multiple times. It's hard to put a guy like that in your lineup. You don't know where to put him. There's games where you have him batting sixth or seventh and you, you slap yourself in the head because you should have had him third or fourth. There's games when he bats first or second or third, and you wish that you had him bat an eighth or ninth. I, how yeah. do you handle a guy like that? And and can he get better, Jim? Because what I see from him, I'm not sure. The whiff rate's elite. He doesn't he doesn't chase, but the the amount of the zone that he can actually do damage in is so small that you can pitch around him in the zone and I think we see it all the time. He's got to find a way to expand that.
1: Yeah, man. I don't know that we, I I don't know. I don't know a player in recent memory or memory in general that, that, that can be so hard to um, kind of analyze and kind of figure out what he is. And what he can be um look his last 100 at bats have been bad real bad you know um i think he's he's striking out 40 times in his last 100 at bats he's you know um yeah there's i think he's got five home runs during that stretch but it, it's it's the, the pe- people aren't patient in baseball anyway and yeah. jack jack <laughs> takes that to a whole new level because of the length of of the streakiness i i I don't know i you know um i think the next month and a half for jack is really important and um back the back to your original point gary and this is just it is like until somebody pushes their way past him yeah. what are, what are, what are we losing by at least letting a 25 year old who's shown the ability to make some adjustments not keep trying to make more adjustments to see if he can even some things out and 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 that's know. without
0: even mentioning that one of the biggest adjustments they could make is probably changing the hitting instructor i think they're going to yep. have to do that mm-hmm. but That's one aspect of Jack. I'm going to just say a phrase before I throw it off to Casey here to talk about Jack. And I think it applies across the board as we watch all these kids on board. It's, it's basically good enough for a championship does not have to equal best right now. What's best right now in order to get to that point doesn't necessarily have to equal. Like, I don't have to say that Alika Williams is going to be the shortstop of this team when they win a championship for me to say on Wednesday night, Alika Williams was the best option at shortstop. Do you get what I mean? I think we're going to have to play that game a lot as we watch these kids roll through here. And I wouldn't, I would quit marrying them right away too. These people like they're they're going out, throwing up these lists of who has to play every day and and whatnot right now. I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't be buying jerseys for Pagaro. I think he's done really well, but just think about all the competition that you know about. And, and, and most of you don't dig into this system the way some people do. Like, if I had Anthony Murphy on here talking about this system right now, he could make it seem like there's no way in hell Pagero could possibly hold on to that position for three years just by telling you about Chang and some of the other guys that haven't even crossed your mind yet. Stop marrying these guys. That's how this works when you get this many prospects. So, Casey, what do you think about Jack Sawinski? I mean, what are you seeing? Are you frustrated? What can they do with him that's different than what they're doing?
2: I think, first off, the hitting coach is a problem, for sure, because he's not able to help him get out of this funk fast enough. But, man, listen, he has 637 at-bats in the major leagues, has 40 home runs. That's It's hard to give up on something like that. I mean, he has an elite walk rate. His baseball savant, he hits hard. But then he has like the worst whiff rate, uh strikeout rate, you know, and on those pages too, I, he's, he also still has the highest OPS on our team this year. Yeah, he still does. Even after these last hundred at bats have been awful. So like all those things, it's like, I don't know how you need to give up on a guy only 25. I do think though there's no one pushing them either right now. There's no one saying, Hey, I'm going to take your at bats. G on Bay was what the closest thing we had, but he's been hurt and totally different players.
0: Yeah. And that's a fact, man, because we're talking about a team that has a catcher actively starting every <laughs> night in right field. Exactly. We don't have outfielders climbing up their backs, you know, mm-hmm. guys that we thought might be like Matt Frazier and Matt Gorsky haven't really taken steps forward. I, I wouldn't say CSN hasn't really done a whole lot to really get an earn another look i would say and i think a lot of us kind of thought his arm might have been a little too weak too um cal mitchell we know about the arm and the bat is just nothing special but i think there's a reason josh Palacios is on this team jim (laughs) i mean like we don't have offensively oriented especially power laden outfielders pushing jack out of the way so yeah. why again would we not just play him and i i suggest why not just play him every day but I put do. him in a position to to succeed putting a guy like that lead off i'm sorry i don't need to see it <laughs> he'll see a ton of pitches he'll walk and whatnot when he's in these slumps, man, you have got to, like, play the percentages and lower him a little bit, right? I mean, you can't just leave him up there stubbornly. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, the the, the big picture is you show me another guy on, in the Pirates on their team or in their system that has hit 40 home runs in, in 600 summit bats. Show me it. He was number one. He's the fastest one ever. The forty. So, I mean, you know, if, if, if we had an embarrassment of riches out there and you were just like, look, you know, it's holding up other guys, we're going to strictly platoon him or whatever. I, I would say, okay, you know, right. but he's not 28 and 29 years old and you, you you're a hundred percent sure that he is just what he is. Um, people can say all they want about that; they know that for a fact right now. You just cannot say that about a guy his age with that many at bats in Major League. You cannot. The
0: closest the closest I can come is I, I throw all the averages and OPSs and WRC pluses and all that crap out the window. This is just me watching Jack Swinsky hit. I know how to get him out. I'm not a scout. You know, throw around the edges. If you can paint the black, you're going to get Jack Swinski out. Period. If you can paint the edges of the zone and you have an umpire that's going to give you fair calls as a pitcher, you will get Jack Swinski out. He can't cover the zone. That's the problem. He just can't. He has a great eye, but he can't cover the zone. Until he learns how to cover the zone and do something other than that golf shot home run this is what he is. That might be okay. That might be the best they ever get, but that is all he'll be. We talk about adjustments. The adjustment he needs to make now is to learn how to foul off some of that stuff that's in the zone elsewhere and preferably learn to go the other way when they pitch you on the outer third. That's what has to happen. And when he goes right. the other way now, people praise him. He's just late. <laughs> that's that's not yeah. going the other way. That's not having For the sure. bat speed to catch up. It, I mean, congratulations. You did get the right thing to happen, but th- that's mm-hmm. not purposeful. I'm talking hunting going away.
2: That That's I mean, his solution. I think what's interesting with Jack, too, is if he can do this with adequate defense that he plays in center. I think this is his first year full season in center and he's, he's learning that angle, but if he gets better, if he, you know, full year under the belt off season coming up, he has, he has played solid defense at points. And I think that's valuable. How many center fielders are going to give you potentially 30 home runs a year? Not many. So See,
0: I've seen him as having relatively positive defense as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I see a ton of people talk about his well, arm.
2: His arm's not strong, and his outs or his uh, outfield jump is really bad. But then he has really good outs above replacement. So it's just it's different than the corner slot. Your jump is I I was awful when I played center, but left and right I could do be- way better because it's just an easier jump for me. So like you said earlier in the show, it's certain angles some people struggle with. Right. I I wouldn't keep him in center.
1: I, I would not. I don't think that. And I think people have to remember that too, is like, he's being asked to play there. You know, he's not demanding it. Henry Davis is being asked to play right field. Sometimes guys aren't suited for it. I don't think he's embarrassed himself. I think, I think ideally on a team that has some real aspirations, you want to get better out there, especially in the center field. For me, like strength up the middle type stuff we're talking. Um, I just don't get upset at him because I look at it like they're asking the guy to do it. If he's capable, I guess he'll show it. If he's not, well, that's going to show up too. It's, it's not his fault.
0: Well, here's so, what scares me though. You talk about the, the outfield defense needing to improve. It's a great observation. You're hundred percent, right? This series did show that they've got three locked in pieces right now. Okay. Jack Sewinsky, Brian Reynolds, Henry Davis. That's never going to equal a good off a good outfield. It never is. Um, Jack Swinski, you said you wouldn't play him in center. Well, the other option right now is Reynolds. So Reynolds, I think has proven left field is a little too much for him right now. I don't think he's getting to balls. I don't think his routes are great. I don't think his arm is even as good as it was two years ago, which is kind of insane. I'm not going to move him to first base, Yark. So just whenever you listen to this. He's furiously, furiously typing in the (laughs) comments. Right. But then you have, like, those two. And then if Henry Davis sticks out there, he's he's playing right field. Somebody asked earlier in the chat, why doesn't he play left field? Because it's easiest. Well, at PNC Park, it's not easiest. My God, no. Please
1: don't. Please don't put him out there.
0: Well, he's in right field because – when you have a, an 80-grade arm, that's a right fielder. That's where Clemente played for a reason. That's where Parker played for a reason. That's where you know uh, all of the the greatest arms play because you can get people out and keep people from trying to go to third from right field. That's what it's about. Um, left field is different, and at PNC Park, it's really different. It's cavernous. It takes a lot of. Uh, Technique to like cover all that ground. I personally think Reynolds is a more confident fielder in center field. And if we really don't believe either of their um, arms matter or either of their arms are good enough, I'd flip them and have Jack play left <laughs> just because I think his arm will play better there. And I've actually liked Jack better as a left fielder as well. So I think,
1: I think too, like a, a jump. For outfielder, man, that's hard to develop. I think a lot of that is is kind of a, a, an innate ability that you have. Um,
0: yeah, I, like Bay I, just I, came up having no experience and showed jump that nobody has. Yeah, but he doesn't like, have an arm either.
1: Yeah, I just I, I don't know how much that's something that you can develop. Can you get better at it? Yeah, I'm sure, right. and I'm sure with you know experience you can do that. But we're talking about like truly, truly having um, a good jump just naturally. Man, that's tough to just duplicate and replicate, in my opinion.
0: I would agree. Now it's time for us to talk about another hot button player. David Bednar. Um, (laughs) The renegade. Two blown saves in his last three. We talked a little last week about, you know, he starts to slow down this time of year. Just about every year. Um, and I saw some people talking about overuse. So just pulled these stats up because I just wanted to kind of get it on the record. He's, uh, pitched 47 innings in 46 games. Um, poor perspective. Uh, Camilo Duvall has pitched 52 innings in 52 games. Alexis Diaz has pitched 50 innings in 52 games. Emmanuel Clays has pitched 51 innings and in 52 games. He's pretty much right on par with all that. If anything, he's a little bit under now. Has he been overused very recently? Well, yes, the pirates don't win as often as some of those other teams, do they? So like you kind of have to use them when you have to use them. And David tells Derek Shelton, I'm okay for this third game. You know, um, it's not, Derek Shelton's inclination to use a closer three days in a row. I don't think that that's something he wants to do. Um, David Bednar, though. Is he really somebody that we want to extend? There's been a lot of talking about that. and Jim, the more I watch, the more I, I realize I don't think that I want to see us extend a closer. As much as I love David Bednar, if this is what happens in the second half of years and I am going to investigate this more, more fully, but if I can prove it out that it's happening every single year, regardless of, of usage, I'm not sure how you go forward with that as like, yes, this is my closer. Let me lock him down for three or four extra years on top of his arm numbers. You know?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting dilemma here in Pittsburgh with him being from here. And, um,
0: yeah, it shouldn't Love. be the Pittsburgher in me says it should be, but it shouldn't be. Sure.
1: Yeah. I look, he'll be 29 in October. Um, you know, those are, you know, and, and he's a guy that, he goes out there. I mean, you only have so many bullets in these arms, right? Um, and I think they'd really have to think long and hard about that, as far as an extension type situation goes. And let's be honest: if if you're not able to kind of replicate first halves of seasons, you have any aspirations of doing anything? During a season and kind of getting somewhere in that season, hopefully postseason at some point. That's not the way you want to be doing it. I mean, that's backwards from how you you want to be doing it. You can't have that. So I think it's a fair question, you know. I, I think Gary, you mentioned it a couple shows ago, and I, I look. None of us. Let me just let me just preface it by saying this: None of us are winning any uh, Iron Dam competitions. So.
0: Let, let's let's make sure we say that first. No, I'm I'm in the running for the balsa wood competition. Though. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's breaking news right there. I am uh, softer than puppy poop on a hot summer sidewalk, my so, but you, I'm not judging at all. <laughs> you, you know,
1: but but you know, look, they have him listed. I think at six foot two twenty five. Yeah. Let me tell is, you how accurate that is. Remember right. how Jerome Bettis was listed at like <laughs> six foot two, 35, or whatever it was? This is like, I, all I'm saying is, is, like, you mentioned this before. Hey, look, you know, maybe you need to. Everyone loves him. He's the, the beer case carrying shot banging Yinzer. But at some point, uh, it, is it something I, I'm concerned about? Yes, because I, d- I don't know that that's
0: sustainable. Right. And Casey, they have him for three more years of arbitration. So he's under team control, control through 2026. I don't think the Pirates expect this whole thing to be over in 2026. So if you want <laughs> David Bednar to be part of this whole thing, you're going to extend him for a couple of years into his age 33 season ish. I would say. And even then you're probably trading him in 2027,
2: right? (laughs) You're not
0: like, this isn't a guy that's going to be here through the end of the decade. Sorry. Closers just don't last that long. So at some point, sentimentality is going to lose out. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think with David, you know, the, the Pittsburgh and you, you don't want to see him go anyplace. You want him to see his retire. Same, you know, same with Kutch It's heartbreaking when we trade Kutch, you know, because he he brought us back to the playoffs, and he embraced the city. By, these closers are so vital. I mean, like, how many times do you have all-star closers continuing the same level into their thirties? It's pretty rare, and when they do, they go to the Hall of Fame. So, I'm not saying that you know David can't do that. It's just it's just the odds are against it, him to do that.
1: It's rarely a pretty dismount.
2: Yeah, for these
1: types of guys. I mean, point blank, you know, that just is
0: for every for every Mariano Rivera, I can count about 15 that were forced into retirement because (laughs) they stunk, not because they wanted to be done. Um I, it's it's a sad ending. It's a tough position in baseball. I just think that we should probably not get carried away with thinking David Bednar is going to carry this team on his back through playoff runs through, through the end of the decade because I just don't think it's feasible for him to be the same level pitcher he is. Now, if you can get him to sign a hometown discount, and in this case, I actually mean hometown discount, <laughs> if, if you could get him to sign something like through 2030, where by the end of it, he's only making like four or 5 million. I, I'd do that. I, I mean, like, cause even if he's not a closer, then he can still be an effective arm in your bullpen, but everything he does, I'm just saying, it's not going to get better with age. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and if, You know, look at what they're bringing in right now. Look at, look at what Andre Jackson looks like. I mean, like, this is a guy they just picked up. that was in double a somewhere like for the Dodgers. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're finding pieces that I think are, are showing that this velocity stuff is out there. Mm -hmm. They find closers and and it does work out. I, I wouldn't hitch my wagon to him. The other one I wanted to bring up guys before we go is Mitch Keller because the second half of his season has been brutal. I mean if he looked like this in the first half, I think we'd be having a lot different conversations about Mitch Keller. I really do. Um this would have been probably the year where you're talking about do we non-tender this guy? Like <laughs> if this was the way he looked all season. Right. Now What I don't understand, Casey, is here's a guy who found success again by using his two-seam fastball. And now, for some reason, he's gone away from it. Seems like he really wants to be successful with that four-seam fastball. But it just doesn't work for him. So, is he being stubborn? Is the team being stubborn? It seems weird that if this team, because they love to preach the two-seamer, I'm sure they would love it if he would throw that more often.
2: Yeah. Also, it seems like he's in love with the cutter right now too. Mm -hmm. If you look at his last starts, I swear every, every time they hit a homer off it, it's the cutter. It's the cutter coming in to lefties. It, It seems like he won't throw the two seamers to lefties. He'll only throw the cutter to lefties. And which is counterintuitive, right? Because you want to go away from the sweet spot in the bat, away from their swing. I don't. That just right. doesn't make sense to me. And I know you can get jam shots with the cutter, but he seems in love with the cutter right now. I think, you know, I think he's just being stubborn. He wants to. It worked for him earlier in the season, so he wants to get back to that. But there's scouting reports, and a lot of teams have better scouting reports than our hitting coach does. So yeah, they're going to be able to figure it out. And when you Throw a 89 mile per hour cutter right into the heart of the zone. They're gonna they're gonna hit hard.
0: Jim, I don't want to, I don't even want to say what I'm gonna say, but I'm gonna say it anyway. <laughs> I don't want I don't want Austin Hedges back. But is Mitch Keller a guy that needs somebody like that? And if so, is he signable? Because I don't know that we want to carry someone like that.
1: Well, I guess I'd have to see um, what kind of contract we're talking. I still think he's super important. I think if he's not a part of it, then you've really got some problems on that pitching side of things. I think he has to be one of those guys. You're we talking in the top two or three of that rotation. Um, you know, he's carrying a lot of innings right now, I think. Um, I, I don't know that necessarily you have to be worried about maybe. Backing him off or limiting him, his velocity still seems pretty good. I, you know, I question maybe is he's just not getting the same movement he was that he that he was getting early in the year when you're talking uh, that live arm type of action. I don't know. Am I concerned? Yeah, I mean it. It has not looked pretty uh, since the All Star break. I still think he'll be okay. I still think there's enough with his, his arsenal and his uh, amount of pitches and his velocity that he'll, he'll get back on track. Um, but you're right, Gary, if this had been reversed in the season or he had been doing this all season, then yeah,
0: we would, we would be, we would be ready to wash our hands. Of it. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to ask a guy to reinvent himself and, all of a sudden come up and be an all-star, and then you have to hold on to that all year. It's very hard to hold on to something like that all year. We've seen Jeff Locke do something like that, right? Um Through the years, we've seen this countless times. It happens all over the league. Really hard to string together a complete year as a starting pitcher. Right. That said, it is alarming. And, and Mitch Keller might be a guy that he might have too many options at his disposal. He might be a guy that just somebody needs to narrow him down a little bit. Tell him, hey, I don't think you need the cutter and the slider, cowboy. They kind of do the same thing, except one sucks a little. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe uh the four seam, you're going to use it. Okay. But only upstairs.
2: Right. For a chase. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I just think there's there's ways that they need to harness him. I felt like Austin Hedges did a legitimately good job doing that with him. Really called a great game with him. Delayed it okay the other night. I don't think Andy calling games has been a problem. But I think for Mitch Keller, it might be overwhelming, just all the options you have. It's almost like playing a video game with somebody that's got like six pitches and you don't know what to throw anymore. <laughs> you could throw anything. I I think maybe a a kid catcher might get carried away with some of those toys at his disposal. And Mitch has to be smart enough to shake him off, too. So I think there's just some growth that needs to happen there. Oscar Marin needs to really step in and, and get his arms around what his problems are and eliminate some things from his arsenal, I think. But I would sign him. I'd, I'd turn around and approach him with the exact same thing that they already did that people ran around calling a lowball I'd add a couple hundred thousand dollars and I'd say what do you think now
1: <laughs> like yeah I I mean,
0: like, yeah because
1: I think then then you can say like okay it's worth the gamble at that point. yeah um, but like if they've had if they had super super high aspirations whoever his agent is and whatever I think those are can be tempered a little bit. And, you know, for Mitch, he's, he's always seemed to be a step behind on the development side of things. I'm like, this is another part of that where like, he's now had some success and now it's, you know, they've punched back a little bit. Like he, this is probably two years ago. This should have happened. So maybe it's just, you know, it's just the other, the next example of the late, Process that he seems to have to go through in every phase.
0: Hey, this has been a great conversation, Casey. You did awesome on the show. If you were worried at all, no reason to. You were great. Thanks, um, brother.
2: How do people get a hold of you on Twitter, sir? Uh, at Herky Jerky. Um, it's a nickname I got. My dad actually got when he was in high school for, and he got passed to me. So, um, but yeah, that's that's what I use for Twitter. Um, but yeah, I just love chilling and in. in that pirate Twitter space and figuring out what do we even do with this team? Because <laughs> there's been times, you know, being in Chicago, it's like, oh, I could just go cheer for this team. But you got you to gotta root for the underdogs every once in a while. And it seems like we got that every season. so Well, Jim, we got to root for the underdogs every single day. So that's what we do.
0: <laughs> uh, any parting shots from you there, uh, Pittsburgh World Traveler?
1: no man like uh get out enjoy this city if you live here um been doing a lot about this week with my son my wife's been out of town and um just you know get out and enjoy it while the weather's good and football's on the way soon and we'll get a respite from that but man it's a great city we live in and i i'm super appreciative to be to be here and be doing this with you gary and meeting people like casey it's just yeah, this is this is so cool to me.
0: It's good stuff. Hundredth episode next week. Uh, we've already invited a bunch of you back. Let's make sure that you get a hold of me. DM me if you're interested in being on the show. Uh, we've already got Graves signed up, and uh, she's going to be the star. So we'll we'll move good on deal. from there. Beyond that, but next week, hundredth episode should be a good time. Um, let's welcome Eric Carlson to town. Thank you. We 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 hope that you get the cup you're chasing, sir. That's um, right and uh hey welcome back pittsburgh steelers first uh, preseason game is tomorrow night looking forward to seeing that and hoping to see some of kenny's maturation um he's it's gonna be fun to watch them all year too i think they're in in a different league and everything kind of in the same boat ton of kids coming together let's see what happens there and yeah. uh the sky's the limit it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch Yep. So without further ado, I'll toss it off to Ben on the audio. And for yin's watching, let's go, Bucks. Let's yeah, go, Bucks!